1: The following podcast contains explicit language. We've tried tonight to get Republicans to come out and talk to us, and there are not Republicans willing to go on camera tonight. I think it's reaching the point where it's of Watergate
0: size. And now telling call Me to drop the case, what we see is a presidency that's starting to come apart. welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So it's been a big 36 hours Monday, late afternoon and evening. The Washington Post's Greg Miller and Greg Jaffe dropped a bombshell of a report that Donald Trump revealed highly classified information to the Russian foreign minister and ambassador during their meeting last week, just after the James Comey firing, which current and former U.S. officials said jeopardizes a critical source of intelligence on the Islamic State. With that, the Trump White House sent out their flax to rebut the story. And on Tuesday, General H.R. McMaster held a press conference where he repeated the same talking points over and over again that Donald Trump's actions with respect to the leaking of classified information were wholly appropriate. And just as the day was coming to a close, Michael Schmidt, a reporter at The New York Times, not to be outdone by The Washington Post, broke the story that may very well prove to be Trump's undoing. That Donald Trump, the president of the United States, asked James Comey during one of their meetings in February, which Trump alluded to in that scattershot interview with Lester Holt, to end the investigation into his campaign. How's the White House reacting to this? My guest today is Josh Dossey, a reporter at Politico who's been reporting for the last three days on the chaos in the White House. My guest today is Josh Dossey, a reporter for Politico, who's been writing for three days about the reactions within the White House to all this chaos. Welcome, Josh, and thanks so much for being on Trumpcast. Of course, it's it's. uh A slow time to be alive, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, remember when the Carter White House was described as O B E overcome by events? I've been trying to remember what were Carter's problems again. I mean, they seem like a toaster malfunction compared to this nuclear (laughs) reactor meltdown going on in the Trump White House. What? Yeah. What is what? You are extraordinarily well sourced at Politico with people talking to you from the White House. What is going on?
1: I think is that there's, there's two things. It's kind of total uh, befuddlement and fatigue. Uh, you know, folks woke up on, uh, we went to bed on Tuesday night and we said "Is you know, worried about what President Trump may have told James Comey in a private conversation. You know, there are no tapes, as the president said, that we said any of his aides know about. He doesn't have any memos. Uh, they don't know what happened. They woke up that morning, you know, worrying about what he said to the uh Russian foreign minister, uh, and whether he gave classified information that would hurt the Israeli information-sharing sources. You know, I, I think b- most of these folks, you know, if they'll talk to you in private conversations, say, it's just going to dump the fire after dump fire. You know, they every day, Trump goes out and has total chaos, and then they have to try to clean it up. The icing on the cake is that there, there are stories once or twice a week that leak out to, to us and the New York Times and other outlets. He's considering a staff shake-up, and he's angry at his staff. But I think these people are saying, you know, we're doing everything we can for you. We may not be perfect, but, you know, you're creating a totally unappeasing place to work with, with your, you know, total chaos. And you're going to fire us, or you say every week you might fire us. It's just, it's a really toxic environment. I mean, walking around the West Wing, it is a very toxic place. It feels like, uh, you know, everyone is just waiting for the next shooter drop. Everyone's waiting for what the next day's crisis is going to be.
0: You know, you you talk about them worried about how they're going to contain the damage. Um, We know what that looks like for Sean Spicer, Kellyanne Conway, and some of the so-called surrogates. But what does it look like for an aide or an official to even brood about how he or she might contain the damage?
1: Well, I, I think part of the challenge here is no one knows exactly how bad the damage is going to be. You know, James Comey's uh, friends and associates for the New York Times yesterday, and we confirmed that, you know, that he kept very detailed memos on every one of his conversations with President Trump. There's probably going to be a congressional testimony on this. Uh, you imagine subpoenas are going to start firing. Uh, so you have that problem. Then what do they do about Michael Flynn? You know, that's a whole other set of issues. Michael Flynn has said, you know, he would cooperate if given immunity. President Trump is obviously you know, worried about that investigation. He asked, told me to shut it down. You know, he's talked about it in private on multiple occasions. You have the Russia investigation, it's a totally different set of problems. You have, you know, Paul Manafort and all of his dealings in Ukraine, the former campaign manager. Uh, so when you, when you talk about brooding on how to control the damage, I mean, there are at least kind of five smoldering fires on any given day of a week that can blare up. And, what do you do about it? Uh, I mean, there's not, a lot of the damage has already been done, and it's just a matter of when does it come out and how bad it going to be when it does. Uh, and I think a lot of these folks feel totally helpless because you know, you know, everyone is kind of making fun of Sean Spicer and the communication shop. Certainly, kind of the challenges and the struggle. But who would want to do that job? Who wants that job? Who wants to go out and and do that every day? Who wants to defend the president every single day? No, how do you defend this president every single day when he contradicts himself? You say something, then two days later, he goes out and says something totally opposite, even though you were told to say something? I mean, it's,
0: it's nearly impossible. And that's not even Spicer. That's also Pence. <laughs> right. I mean, Vice
1: President Pence went out with the company line and said, you know, President Trump just fired uh, Comey because of, you know, direction of uh, of, uh Department of Justice is number two official. He was recommended. Of course, he followed the recommendation. And then President Trump, two days later, said, "I was going to do it regardless." And everyone went, "Well, we knew that." But why did you tell your people to go out and and say this for several days and then contradict them? We also I mean, it's just thought totally humiliating.
0: We also thought that that a betrayal of of Mike Pence was was the uh, cardinal sin in this White House because it, that's the only thing that uh, that got. Mike Flynn fired. Anyway, it's so well, elaborate. That's
1: the, only, that's the reason that the White House said they fired him, Right, right. Because of the to President Trump, he was looking for a reason to fire Mike Flynn and to be able to couch it in a you know he lied to the vice president. Of course, I had to do it. Was a good way to do what he wanted to do anyway.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. So you know, these White House aides, these White House officials, go to bed wondering, you know, is there any way to contain the damage? And if so, I mean, if not, what way is the wind blowing? What should I do next? What's tomorrow right. going to be like? Um, but a lot of them seem to opt, they seem to decide that their, you know, first move is to leak.
1: Oh, I guess that's somewhat fair, but you know, most of these folks uh, talk, you know, once they leave work at 8 or 9 p.m. I mean, this is a White House that talks late at 9 and they talk early in the morning. And if you're doing your job on the beat, and other reporters will tell you the same thing, you know, you're not making calls at 2 o'clock. You're making calls at 8.30 p.m. You're making calls when people are driving home at 9 or 10 p.m. And sometimes when you talk to these senior officials, it almost feels like therapy. I mean, they're just saying, like, this is what happened today, you know? It's not, it's not in some ways, it's not as like that they're out to get the president as much as it may seem. Sometimes I think they're just processing through you know, cataclysmic events and everyone's saying, what happened? Also, you know, because there's so many factions in the White House, it surprises me how often people say, what are you hearing today? Because they need to know like, what are their rivals in the White House doing? What is someone leaking about them? What are, uh, what are the problems coming that, that are going to be their problems that they don't even know about yet? So, you know, I think, I think part of it is just information sharing. And part of it is, you know, everyone kind of gets a joke at this point. We understand how crazy it is. I think most of the people in the White House understand how crazy it is.
0: And is is are they circumspect about anything? Uh, sure. I think a lot of
1: the president's top aides are. I don't know if the president is circumspect about much. The way his moves have been described to us in the past, you know, week or two, has been, you know, very doubling down on his mistakes, you know, very upset with his media coverage and and kind of lashing out at people. I don't think there's been a recognition from President Trump that we need to make, I need to make big changes. I think, you know, he is still in the the process of blaming others. I think some of his top aides, you know, know that this is not going well and that's something I have to guess. Whether they can convince him or not, you know, is is another story. I, you know, there's a lot written about, and we do some of these stories, too, about, you know, White House infighting and, and you know, all the power intrigues there. The real reason they do that is because whoever is in the room with him and whoever he likes has enormous control over the ability to, to get him to do what they want. You know, and he, he listens to people, and he can, you know, call a friend back in New York, you know, a Carl Icon, a Steve Schwarzman, a Chris Christie, a Rudy Giuliani, have a, good, have a good conversation with one of these people. And the next day, you know, the whole White House of Ginger can change. I mean, proximity to this guy is extreme power. I mean, Corey Lewandowski, his former campaign manager, said that repeatedly. You know, proximity is always power with politicians. And when, with Donald Trump, the proximity is, is the most power.
0: Is uh, Donald Trump has talked often about how the problem here is not obstruction of justice, is not treason, is not collusion with the Russians, but leaking. Is he really doing anything to crack down on leaking as he has threatened to do? What well, we saw in,
1: in James Comey's uh, memo, or at least the way the memo has been described to, to the New York Times and us and others, is that you know, he encouraged him to crack on leaking and even you know, uh, put people in jail for leaking or publishing classified info. We know this White House has repeatedly called the FBI and DOJ to prioritize leak investigations. I think that's one main frustration that the President had with Comey is that he was so interested in the russia investigation, so interested in Flynn and various issues, but would not you know move ahead quickly on on weak investigations uh, I, think, I think what the one House doesn't quite understand though you know the president went out in his early in the in the administration and the transition and attacked the intelligence community you know viciously so they, they couldn't be trusted basically. Then he fired his FBI director, who, no matter what the White House said, was very popular among the rank and file. I mean, there were some folks who thought that he handled the Clinton investigation poorly, and, you know, that can be debated through time immemorial. But he was well-liked in the Bureau. I mean, my colleagues have told me that. uh, You know, I've read that other places. I think that's widely known. So when you take on all these people who have immense power and who know really damaging things, and, you know, you're a man who's often governed by, you know whimsy and you say kind of whatever comes to the top of your mind, being president and fighting with those kinds of people and having the personality that he has, you know may be a really toxic brood for him you know all of this stuff is going to come out, whatever he does, I am convinced that we will find out about most of it through some reporter, either in the intelligence community or in the White House or you know an aide that eventually resigns and leaves you know we're going to figure all of this out, and I think. That's what the realization of the president hasn't quite come to yet, is that this is not getting any better. People are going to figure out exactly what he does, for better or worse.
0: So now that we're in this time where, you know, we've done, I think it's fair to say, we know Trump well enough by now to know he's going to, under any circumstances, act volatile, bullying, impulsive, at times extortionate. But it's the Republicans in Congress who are now the mysteries. They're the sphinxes, right. you know, and we spend a long time trying to parse why their responses have ranged from what's silent to sort of tepid. You know, the morning shows today apparently couldn't book a single Republican. Yeah, saw that. What's going on with the Re- Republicans? With some, I want some conjecture from you. I mean, are they leaking at all? Are you hearing from the offices well, of— Yeah. I think I think a lot of them were in an adult state, Virginia. I mean there was a I think
1: when when Trump won and it was a surprise when uh, you know, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and you know the Republicans who are now in control of all three branches of government, you know, said this guy is not that driven by ideology. You know, he's not that interested in, you know, exactly what happens in Congress. He wants wins. He's a big picture guy. You know, we can get our agenda through. He is going to sign it. We will put bills on his desk, you know, rolling back regulations, tax cuts, replacing uh, Obamacare, repealing and replacing Obamacare. Uh, you know, we can do have an aggressive legislative strategy and it's all going to be done. And I think some of them are still holding out hope that, you know, even with all the president's uh, you know gaps and investigations and, you know, daily cascade of, of controversies and scandals. That they can still get some of this done. You know, Paul Ryan's people will say to you and, and the other Republican legislators that they're, you know, privately uncomfortable with a lot of what they're seeing, but at the same time, they don't know how attacking president Trump right now plays for them. Uh, and I think it's, it's political expediency. Uh, you know, they do not know how the show is going to end. And if for some reason, you know, some of this goes away and in, in two months it dies down, uh, you know, they still want to get their agenda through. I mean, they have to deliver on, on things as well. And so I think they don't really know what to do. Uh, my sense last night doing a little reporting is that was the biggest blow. Uh, the Comey, uh memo that came out yesterday was the biggest blow to his folks on Capitol Hill. I think, uh, you know, his people, their biggest fear is just fatigue. Eventually, people on the hell, Republicans and, and, and Democrats alike. Democrats, of course, but Particularly Republicans just say enough. We're tired of this. We can't do this anymore. This is just not sustainable. The, the kind of mo for many of these people is going to try to avoid getting in the middle of it. Who wants to go on TV last night or this morning and talk about whether the president ordered his FBI director to shut down an investigation? They don't know the facts. What do you say? We trust the president. And when you get pressed on, you know all of these specifics, just dodge, dodge, dodge. You, know, you, you get made to look like a fool or an idiot.
0: Well, it's sometime. It will be a nice opportunity for, and we've seen flickers of this among the libertarians and the conser- super conservatives in Congress. It'll be a nice time to ensure your future in the party if you think it's really going against Trump to show some heroism and courage and brio and right. sort of lead the principled disloyalty principled pushback um but um it was a pretty startling
1: admission you know from bob corker who said on monday night you know the president sees in a downward spiral i I think those were the harshest words i have heard yet from any republican and then uh you know the next day he kind of backed down from it he didn't say that he regretted saying it but he certainly did not reiterate uh his comments with that level of intensity again uh So I think some of these folks in moments of, you know, anger or frustration or fatigue, you know, may tell us what they're actually thinking. And I think you're going to see that happen more and more uh, if if things continue apace as they are.
0: Well, this is really fascinating. And just even getting some idea of those uh, therapeutic calls from the leakers in the White House is just uh, very evocative. Um, I'm sure it's another big day. We yeah, I think we can predict more chaos. I think that would be a
1: safe <laughs> assumption.
0: Thank you very, very much, Josh.
1: Of course. I hope it was good and helpful.
0: Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. That's it for today's show. But one more thing before we take off. Trumpcast listeners, are you following us on Twitter? It's the best place to stay up to date on the ins and outs of the show. So follow us at Real TrumpCast. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. June Thomas is the managing producer of Slate Podcasts. And Andy Bowers is Panoply's chief content officer. I'm Virginia Heffernan. We'll be back soon with more Trumpcast.